Today I want to tell you a story. It'll seem too tightly put together to have really happened. I get it, believe me. I hope you can accept that while yes, I am telling the story, the story in truth presented itself to me. I am just sharing it. Hopefully with a bit of craft, yes, but it's all true. So, settle in. I'd like to tell you a story. I think it's a story we all need to hear. Hi there. Welcome to Stick It Out, a podcast about life, death, and the caregiving both require. I'm your host, Mr. Milton Bananas. I've been the primary caregiver to my wife for about three years now. My dear Ethel was born with cystic fibrosis, had a double lung transplant in 2007, and now is in need of a second double lung transplant after her body began rejecting those lungs in late 2020 for reasons no one is entirely clear on. As an update on Ethel before we get to the story, she's met with a local cardiologist who cleared her to come off the blood thinners. That's one big step closer to the transplant list. She'll go for a stress test later this week, and that's the last thing the cardiologist needs. And I think, after that, everyone will have everything they need? I think so. I'm not 100% sure, and it feels like that changes all the time, but I think so. Anyway, please, if you can, send Ethel a kind thought or two throughout the day. I promise you she deserves it. Okay, on to the story. In the previous episode, I told you about our trip to the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center for Ethel's evaluation to be put on the transplant list. This story begins on the drive home the next day. We were on the turnpike by about 9.30 a.m. Ethel was struggling a little. She said that it was harder to breathe today than it had been yesterday, which was worrisome. I asked if she wanted me to find the nearest ER, but she said no. Uh, side note, actually, she said, maybe when we get home, which sat in my belly for the rest of the ride like lead oatmeal. But what can you do? She reclined the seat back, grabbed her pillow and her stuffy, and was out within like a minute. The drive wasn't bad. It started out sunny, but clouded over as we continued on. As is typical these days, my thoughts did much the same. The past two days had been very hard, physically and emotionally. I felt my brain tugging at that line and tried to stop it, because once I admit that the past two days had been nigh impossible for your average human being to weather, I have to admit that the past three years have been the same. Once I start to wonder how the fuck I've gotten through it to this point, I begin to question how the fuck I'm going to get through the rest of it. So... I put my music on, in my headphones. This isn't something I like to do when I drive, but sometimes I need music like Ethel needs a blanket, just all around me. The constant theme in my life, perhaps in all caregivers' lives, is how amazingly unhelpful people are. I don't mean how people react when I ask for help, but how people don't help in even tiny little obvious ways. I find this pattern of behavior disconcerting. 
It's less that people aren't willing to help, maybe, as it is that people just don't see other people. Americans are often either too self-important, too self-involved, too self-centered, or just too damn lazy to do something like make some room on a crazy Pittsburgh sidewalk for a man pushing his wife in a wheelchair. Back to the drive, there were a surprising number of Harleys on the road. Music cycled through my earbuds. Sometimes I sang along quietly. Other times I just listened, trying to find comfort in the sound, trying not to feel existentially tired, and failing, of course. After another hour or so, the morning's coffee was begging to be let free. I woke Ethel to ask whether she needed to use the restroom too. She hated to say it, but she did. This would be a pain in the ass for both of us. You see, the handicap parking available at travel plazas, while they are closer to the doors than all the other spaces, are not exactly close to the fucking doors. Further complicating matters, the entrance doors are not at all close to the restrooms. They are close to, like, Starbucks and the crazy expensive Turnpike Travel Mart, but the only things further away from the restrooms are the shitty restaurants no one eats at. Crucially, walking makes Ethel very short of breath. Becoming short of breath makes you have to pee. When you already have to pee, and then you find yourself short of breath, well, let's just say I don't want her to experience that. At a stop on the way out to Pittsburgh, Ethel had found a bit of a side door that led to a very short walkway where I could pull up the car. I couldn't park there, of course, as it wasn't a space, and doing so would A, block access to the side door, and B, block access to the gas pumps, if your vehicle were big enough. But I could pull up long enough to help her into the car, I figured, without anyone throwing a fit. Maybe. You never could tell these days. The side door had worked well last time, and we were both glad she'd discovered it. All of these travel plazas are built the same way. The only difference is which restaurants they have and which of those restaurants are actually open. So having found that side door and walkway would make our future travels much easier. Such as right now. With her already needing to make water, to be a lady about it, I told her I'd drop her off at that little walk and she should just go in the side door while I park the car. I hate leaving her alone, as I've mentioned, but she reassured me that she could make it. But that didn't matter. Two riderless Harleys were parked right at the end of that walkway. They'd parked illegally, but not in a way that would block access to the gas pumps, so of course no one kicked up a fuss. Oh, but I wanted to, my friends. I wanted to. These selfish pricks did what was the most convenient thing for them to do. From how the bikes were carefully parked, it was obvious they hadn't been in a hurry. And generally speaking, people such as Ethel and others who are in the condition to need the short walkway aren't in the condition to handle the weight of a Harley-Davidson Ultra Limited, which comes in at around 900 pounds without luggage. That put the probability of these two riders just being assholes at about 95%. Nothing to be done, though. I parked the car in the closest space possible and helped Ethel with the walk. I could tell time was of the essence, and if I wasn't sure that picking her up to carry her in would make her do the very thing we were desperate to avoid, I would have done it. 
I walked a little in front of her as usual, making sure she had a clear path, and I opened the entrance doors too, darting my eyes every which way looking for what I call people who give no shits. More on them later. Her portable concentrator was beeping and cycling loudly as she'd cranked it up. Just a few more yards and we'd be at the restroom door. We're not at the point yet where I go in with her, though we do use family restrooms whenever possible, which isn't here, of course. And so just at the crucial point, I have to let her go in on her own. And I have to stand out here and wait and hope that she doesn't need help in there. Because put as simply as possible, you can't count on people to help someone even when they are in obvious need of help. Because like those dudes on the Harleys, almost everyone out there thinks only about their own needs right this moment. After taking care of my own business, my options were to stand against this pillar here and wait and worry about Ethel, or walk around outside to stretch my legs and wait and worry about Ethel. <laughs> I decided I may as well get a little exercise in. Once outside, I saw right away that the Harley dudes had returned to their bikes and I'd regretted the safety of standing at the pillar. Now that they were here, a few yards away, it was obvious they'd park there for the convenience of it. They were just two older guys out on a ride, trying to maximize their enjoyment of the day by not having to walk too many steps after too many hours of jockeying those Harleys. I felt that disturbing shade of green creeping into my skin again, the desire to rage, dangerously coupled this time with an air of self-righteousness. I realized I was just staring at these guys, subconsciously picking a fight, because Everyone damn well knows that if you want your ass to remain unkicked, you do not stare down Harley riders. Like, the Terminator can get away with it, and that's about it. I made myself turn and walk away. Yes, I was still obsessing over those jerks. Yes, I was still trying to weave together exactly the right strands of swear words and shame that might make a difference in their worldview. Yes, I knew that part of me wanted a fight. Part of me always wants a fight these days. But I just kept my eyes on my shoes while I put one foot in front of the other and let the noise of all the people in for a while. Some woman to my right smiled at me as we passed each other. She wore an oddly festive hat, I recall. Colors so vivid they seemed natively South American. A family had parked near our car, Mom and dad probably in their late 30s, daughter in her early teens, son in his late teens. Mom had a plain white t-shirt on under a thin, unbuttoned sweater. In black lettering, all caps, the shirt read, Support Local Music, or Support Live Music, or maybe Support Live Local Music. They had four bicycles on their car, and they seemed to be out for a little family adventure. Mom smiled a little my way, as I was definitely smiling at her t-shirt, what with being a musician myself, but my customary social awkwardness took over, and I pretended to be looking at some birds overhead as she and her family passed me. And I noticed a large number of Harley-Davidson trailers in the semi-truck parking area. How odd, but, of course, that just reminded me about the two dipshits I'd walked over here to forget about. 
They were still mounting up, I saw, as I walked back to the doors. Ignoring them, I entered the building just as Ethel walked out of the restroom. She was fine, but she wanted to sit on a bench by the doors before making the rest of the walk. Fine by me. People watching with Ethel is one of my favorite pastimes in all the world. We kind of classify them, as you've heard, citizens of the waiting room, people who give no shits, etc., and oftentimes we end up pointing out the same people at the same time to each other. There was a very old woman with very thin gray hair wearing a nightgown that was very sheer, and of course, no bra. There was a guy, I see a version of this guy at every travel plaza, so I call him the not-quite-enough-shirt guy, whose t-shirt doesn't quite cover up his gut. This version of not-quite-enough-shirt guy was wearing a Superman t-shirt, which obviously needed Ethel's attention ASAP. Another guy walked through in the most motley set of clothing I've ever seen on a grown-ass man. And look, I know how men are. We'll pretty much just throw shit on for any occasion. Weddings, funerals, bar mitzvahs, baptisms, bar crawls, bachelor parties, family reunions, weekend drives. Most men would wear the same thing to all of these if someone didn't tell us differently. But this guy was almost a study in the willful disregard of one's sartorial appearance. It would have been beautiful if we could be sure it was a conscious choice. As Ethel and I were vamping reasons why this guy was dressed like this, an elderly couple came into view. Ethel and I both tensed up. While the two of them were fairly mobile on their own, she was at least blind enough to the point of having a dog to help her, a pretty little Labrador with a leash and a harness that led to a handle. Her husband had the leash as he was leading his wife carefully to the restroom while also watching out for people who give no shits. Side note, there's an inverse relationship. The slower you move, the more your gravitational pull causes people who give no shits to careen your way. Once the trio arrived at the women's restroom, he transferred the leash to his wife and made sure she had the handle of the dog's harness. He said something to the dog that I couldn't hear, but I could see the worry on his face. I searched my mind for some way I could help, but if I'm not at the point of helping my own wife in the women's restroom, I probably shouldn't offer to help someone else's. Furthermore, Ethel is an immune-compromised person in a physically weakened state. I always have to be careful about what she might catch from me that I picked up from someone else. There were all kinds of people around, as I've said, and many of them were bustling around the restrooms. Most people had to move a little bit in order to avoid the elderly couple, and I kept, like, trying to will someone to see them. No one did, though they all noticed the dog. I'll let you ponder that in your own time. But then, out of the restroom come live local music mom and her daughter. She sees the elderly couple right away, really sees them. Unlike all the people who give no shits. In one second... She was lost in her thoughts, maybe thinking about getting some Starbucks, or finding her husband and son, or maybe about how a dozen Michael Fassbenders would be just about right for an afterlife. The next second, she sees someone in obvious need of help, and lo and behold, 
she decides to do something about it. Live local music mom puts her hand on her daughter's shoulder to hold her up. She then approaches the elderly couple with a big, warm smile that I think only good mothers can shine, and asks the wife if she would like some help in the restroom. The elderly woman searched for live local music mom's voice, then beamed a healthy, hearty smile her way. Music mom then asked the husband if he was okay with her helping. He was, of course, smiling gratefully. The elderly couple were so clearly surprised, awestruck by this sudden, unexpected kindness, unable to say much more than just thank you over and over again. Live local music mom just graciously held out her arm, which the elderly woman took at the elbow, and went back into the restroom. Elderly woman, daughter, and dog in tow. Ethel and I looked at each other, both of us nearly in tears. Ethel had the smile that she gets sometimes when she sees something go exactly as she wishes the entire world would go. Like she's not a fool for believing in things that the world itself makes us think we're fools for believing in. We watched the elderly husband, who didn't even use the restroom, but just stood against a pillar and waited. Perhaps I was projecting, but I thought I saw his relief that he could just not worry for once. Probably just like me, he hates to leave her unattended, hates every moment for the bottomless amount of worry it brings. He'd been expecting it ever since she told him she'd needed to stop, just as I had. Instead, he got to rest there against the pillar in his practical polo and cargo shorts, which don't hate because multiple layers of pockets are a solidly pragmatic choice for your everyday caregiver. I was very happy for him that he got to have those 10 minutes of relative peace. I was also grateful to live local music mom for granting him those moments. All she had seen was someone in obvious need of help, and she helped her. She didn't do it for credit, for money, for views or likes, but just because it needed done and she was able to do it. Her husband and son left the plaza shortly after mom and daughter went back into the restroom. It was easy to imagine the two of them out in the car rolling their eyes, wondering why women take so long and blah, blah, blah. She'd risked what is to the driving husband the holy grail of traveling, which is not merely to get there, but to make good time. As a husband myself, I got it, and I wondered how long he gave her before he was texting her. I'm not sure how long it was, but eventually live local music mom, daughter, elderly wife, and Labrador all exited the restroom. The husband thanked live local music mom deeply with that respectful little bow that older men give when they are shown real kindness. The wife, too, thanked her with a big, big smile. For her part, live local music mom seemed almost embarrassed at the attention, though she took it gracefully. Mom and daughter parted ways with the elderly couple, the daughter giving the Labrador a final couple of pats, and then they came our way, towards the doors. I slowly got up from the bench. I had decided that despite the surfeit of thanks she had swam in over the past few moments, I needed to thank her as well. It simply wouldn't be right not to, though I'd try not to make a scene about it. I took a step or two towards live local music mom and daughter, 
signaling with my hands that I just wanted a moment, she was kind enough to stop and listen. She should know, I had decided, that someone in the same situation as that elderly couple had seen what she had done for them. She should know that her kindness made that couple's day, and made ours as well. She should know that the true beauty of what she did was that she wanted nothing from it. And above all, her young daughter should get to hear someone say all of that to her mother, to her paragon of womanhood throughout life, to further reinforce the positive results of helping people that others just don't see. That's what I told live local music mom, in as few stammering words as possible, gesturing at Ethel with her portable concentrator and cannula over there on the bench. I was clear that I knew she didn't want more praise, she touched my arm at that, but that I had to thank her for really seeing that couple. She began to tear up, so I quickly said thank you one more time and turned toward Ethel. I saw Ethel wave to both of them behind me, but by the time I sat back down, live local music mom and daughter were out the door. Ethel and I sat for a few more minutes. I didn't want the awkwardness at the cars, since they'd parked next to us, but also I didn't want them to feel the impulse to help Ethel. So we waited, holding hands, smiling thoroughly, and Ethel put her head on my shoulder. Those few minutes right there, on that same bench, in the same walls, the same people, the same noise, were much brighter than the moments before. Thank you, live local music mom, whoever you are, whatever your shirt actually said. You brought some light to a few people who are all too easily and all too often lost in the darkness these days. That was where the story was to have ended, with a bit more saying Ethel and I drove home without incident and that she'd felt better after a day's rest. Luckily for my friend Maxine, who just wants longer episodes to fall asleep to, I have a little more to tell you. The day after I wrote the rough draft of what became what you just heard, I was out at one of the big box chain stores securing provisions for the week. Heading back to my car, I saw a woman in a motorized wheelchair, which I call Mario Karts in honor of a friend who is tragically confined to one, She pulled up to the back of her SUV and stood. Then she looked over at the bags in her cart, looked back at the SUV, looked back at the cart again, and... I couldn't tell whether she was developing a plan to pack it all in or whether she wasn't sure she could lift something. So I did what live local music mom did. I simply asked, Do you need help, ma'am? Or are you just developing a strategy? She laughed at that and said, Well, I'm not exactly sure, but if you're offering... Of course I was offering, I said. She laughed and sat back down in the Mario Kart. It took all of 90 seconds for me to help her. She was so grateful. She said at one point, I'ma check in and get God to answer one of your prayers today. This put me in a weird position, as God and I haven't really been on speaking terms since I was about 10, but I really enjoyed the thought. She was going to put a word in with the big man, who presumably knows her by name. Fine by me. But it was what she said after I'd closed up the SUV that really tickled me. Now come around here and let me get a good look at you. 
Perhaps this is an expression amongst some groups of people, but she meant it literally all the same. She took my hand and guided me until she could see me without having to turn, where she smiled up at me and said more things that, honestly, I'm too embarrassed to repeat. But like, think about that. When was the last time someone was so grateful for you that they just wanted a moment to see your face? To like, look at you. To like, see you. I think, as caregivers, we are not only unthanked, even by our people sometimes, but are also usually unseen, even by the people we most need to see us. But friends can't relate unless they've been there, and family can be, well, family. Online communities can and do help, but they are, after all, online communities, where no matter how much I want to help a person, all I have is words. Perhaps, perhaps, one solution to the loneliness of caregiving, the lack of gratitude and being seen, is to help someone who isn't expecting your help. I understand the paradox. Believe me, as a caregiver, you're bone-achingly tired of helping. All you do is help, and no one ever helps you. So why would helping a whole other person be a solution to loneliness. I can't give you the why. I don't know why exactly. It's quite likely that we each would have our own why. But I'm fine with figuring that out later. Helping that woman took less than three minutes of my time, all told. But the feeling I left with has lasted throughout a very hard week. A very hard week. A week that had me questioning my own motives my own sense of what I'm doing as a caregiver, why I'm doing it despite the steep price it demands, and why I decided to make a podcast about all of this bullshit, and who the fuck am I to think I'm worth listening to? Now come around here and let me get a good look at you. Counteracted a lot of that, or at least carried me between moments of self-doubt. You would think its power to make me smile would have lessened by now. It has not. So, once again, thank you, Live Local Music Mom. If asked to sum up spousal caregiving, my answer would be, it's the worst of the worst shit shows on earth. But if you can stick it out, it will teach you a few truths. It will straighten your spine and it will teach you to see what is there to be seen, good and bad, darkness and light. And with a few good people to rely on, and maybe some luck, you can drag yourself through hell and leave your own demons behind. But you gotta stick it out. That's what I have for you this week. I hope you enjoyed it. These first five episodes have been an unexpected ride. I need to thank some friends who have helped me in a variety of ways. There's Maxine Swan, who helps me make sure I make something that people can fall asleep to. And then Mi Latina Bestita, who helps me make sure I make something that keeps people's attention. And there's Butterball Pumpkinhead, who helps me make sure I make something that sounds like me. I'm also grateful to the few other friends who have served as beta listeners. Thank you for giving me some of your time. And of course, my dear Ethel Bananas who doesn't exactly want to listen to the show, which I get, 
but has supported the idea since I first started aimlessly talking about it a year ago, and to whom all of this is dedicated. Stick it out with me, Ethel. We can do this. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to listen to this episode. We are all so terribly busy, I'm grateful that you gave my show even a little of your attention. If you wish to reach out, you can find me on Reddit at user Mr. Milton Bananas with just MR, or you can email me at Mr. Milton Bananas at gmail.com with Mr. spelled out. Until the next episode, be well out there, everyone.